Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be chatting about a few event results from this past weekend, the Puerto Rico special event, and then also the Korean championships that took place. Talk about some of those results in the Paldea Vault format. We'll chat about best of three versus best of one in the Pokemon TCG, a discussion that seems like it it's just part of the cycle now at this point. <laughs> we'll break down our thoughts and kind of why people were talking about it right now and what we think is better. We'll, of course, have everyone's favorite segment, Guess That Flavor Text. And then we're going to wrap up this episode with our North American International Championships meta prediction. If you're competing in the event, you're not going to want to miss this episode because we're going to go through our thoughts about all the major decks, if we think they're good, what techs we like, what card choices that we think are good for what matchups, all of those things, and so much more on this week's episode. My name is Chip Ritchie, and I'm joined here as always by my friend and co-host, Azul GG. What's up, Azul? How we doing? How was your week, man? Doing good, Chip. Uh, had a solid week. Um, I feel like... It's been a little while since I've traveled now. I was going to say, it hasn't felt like, what is it, three weeks in a row since Fresno? Two yeah. weeks? Yeah. Two weeks, and for weeks? Fresno, you didn't even have to travel super far as well. Yeah, the drive. So, yeah. It's been nice. Yeah, so I think it's two weeks, right? I don't even remember when Fresno was now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's been two weeks. Yeah. Um, but it's been nice to have a couple weeks off from traveling. I'm actually looking forward to the time off as well after NAIC, between NAIC and Worlds as well. So, I'm actually looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, I'm doing good. A solid week, content, all that fun stuff. Just kind of the usual uh, grind. What about you, Chip? How was your How was your week? It was pretty good. This weekend, my wife and I went down um, to my in-laws' beach condo and hung out with them for a little bit. Got Samuel in the swimming pool, which was pretty fun. His first time playing in the pool. He hated it at first, but then loved it by the <laughs> end. So <laughs> I think we call it a net win. Overall, we were kind of surprised because he loves bath time. He loves splashing his feet in the bath. But I think the pool water was just really cold. So I was, you know, holding him as we went into the water, trying to get him ready. And as soon as his toes hit the water, it was like just this big frown. He poked his bottom (laughs) lip out and let out a bit like he was not about it, not excited. (laughs) But he warmed up to it eventually. Uh, but yeah, other than that, good week. Excited for NAIC this weekend. I'm going to be commentating, which I'm very much looking forward to. And you, Azul, are going to be playing. And uh, yeah, you've got a pretty good history at this tournament now, at this point, after getting the dub last year. You've already won one IC this year. I mean, we're going to make it three in 365 days, three internationals wins. Are you looking to defend the title? What are your kind of, as a competitor, Azul, what are you expecting to get out of this tournament? Um, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't really change tournament to tournament for me, to be honest. Like, it's not like something I'm looking forward to more or kind of care about anymore. Um, I'm sure if I won it again, then it would be like, um, it might feel a little bit different, but like, I am not going into, like for this tournament specifically, I've done like super, compared to all the other ICs, I feel like I've prepped the least I have for any IC in a while or like since like post COVID um that probably a lot of that has to do with kind of the lack or the uh the state of pdcg live yeah um because a lot of my testing kind of comes from just streaming uh pokemon i don't do as much like try hard testing as probably a lot of people think um but i I am going to be leaving like this is coming out tuesday um so when people are hearing this i'll be in columbus um i'm leaving monday getting there tuesday morning um 
for uh to prep for an AIC game there a little bit ahead of time. I mean we play on Friday, so it's not even that that much in advance, to be honest. Like you check in Thursday. I'm like getting there like one day or two like two days in advance because check in Thursday usually most people get there Thursday. Tournament starts Friday, Saturday. So Tuesday and Wednesday gonna be trying to grind some games. There doesn't really feel like there's too much to grind though in the current meta. It's feeling a little bit stale and we'll kinda or not a little bit stale, but a little bit uh narrow. We'll talk about sure. that later. But um, yeah, excited to compete again. I'm mostly excited to to be honest. I'm most excited for uh hot chicken takeover though. Uh or what is it called? The, the restaurant place at the in the at North Market, the chicken place there is so good. So if anyone yeah, yeah. <laughs> needs food recommendations, if they're first time in Columbus or if they didn't know about it, North Market is pretty much the only place you need to go. Oh, dude, no, there's this pizza place across from the venue. Oh, uh, late Night Slice. That yeah, place Late is Night Slice. That place yeah. is good, too. But that's literally right by North Market. It's literally, like, right next to North like North Market. Yeah, but it's it, open later than the North Market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. North Market closes like, at 7. That's, like, 1 a.m. You're getting a piece of yeah. pizza. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, like, Benny's or something like that, right? No, Late Night Slice. It's literally called Late Night Slice. It, I th- I think it's, like, Benny's Late Night Slice, but I might be wrong. Oh, it could be. I just yeah. noticed Late Night Slice. Yeah. yeah. There's two of them, actually. There's one Yeah. Uh, down, like, the main strip uh downtown columbus area but yeah to be honest like that's like the only two places you need to know about for food but yeah the north market does close at 7 p.m yeah i'm super excited for the that's like the the some of the best food i've ever had is the hot chicken place there so i'm excited for that more so than anything to be honest that's because maybe it's just because the current meta just feels like it's not very exciting to be honest yeah we'll talk more about the meta as we get into it it's definitely gonna be a fun weekend i'm excited to get to try to to cube a little bit gonna try to run my cube a couple times i know puka's gonna be there running his cube as well so did cubers. you say gross you love yeah. what are you talking about <laughs> nah, dude, i'm burnt out on cube to be honest i'm, I'm not gonna i need to take there a was a while you were like fiending for it but you're just not feeling yeah. it anymore yeah not as much anymore to be honest i think part of it has to do with the generally the timing of when cubing is done it's like super late like i enjoyed the like cubing at Listen, man, last we'll be year. trying to cube on like wednesday thursday it's not I'm, like well, I'm gonna be prepping to there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get hot chicken and test games of Pokemon. <laughs> I'm busy, bro. My schedule's full. Um, but yeah, yeah, like like last time when we cubed at NAIC last year, that was enjoyable because it was like mid afternoon after the Sunday. Yeah. It was like I don't know, was it 3 p.m. Maybe 4 p.m. Yeah, yeah. Cubed it was after when I got food or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was good. Like I enjoyed that. But like the other times when we cube, it's usually like late sunday you know like we're cubing up until like 1 2 a.m and that's when it's like not as an enjoyable of experience <clears throat> that's fair but yeah the 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 midday cubes are where it's at for sure <laughs> and it's definitely more enjoyable well we're looking forward to it and i is going to be a blast i'm sure plenty of people are going to be there uh if you see either of us and want to come up and say hello take a picture whatever we're happy to uh to meet people sure yeah and sometimes people are like i didn't want to bother you guys and i mean if we're not sitting there talking to someone you're not bothering us so feel yeah. free to to come up and say hello and we're happy to to chat do any of that but yeah let's get into this episode azul and we're going to start off by talking about the results from the puerto rico special event this past weekend and there's also the Korean championships, which I didn't even realize were happening until I saw Sajin's yeah. post today that he won the tournament. So did not even realize the Korean championships were happening, but there was like a live stream for it and everything. Um, but yeah, we talked about Puerto Rico happening on the podcast last week. It did go down and John Ng did come away the winner. Now, we don't have anything on Limitless to talk about this. There's no standings picture or anything to look at uh no deck lists have really been shared too much aiden 
Koos uh, shared his deck list that he used to get second place, which is like a Lost Box Aerodactyl deck list, it looks like. Uh, yeah. All we know about John's list is that he played Lost Box. And other than that, <laughs> no one else in top eight has shared their list. And I have to imagine that has to do with the proximity of this tournament to NAIC. People are kind of wanting to keep a tight lip on their 60 cards. You think so, Azul? Yeah, that's probably the reason, which is reasonable, um, <clears throat> which is reasonable as well, to be honest. Um, I know one of the top one of the top four, all, all of top four was Lost Box. One of them had Kyogre. I don't know if it was John. John has been most recently playing Kyogre in quite a few tournaments. So I don't know if John had the Kyogre or not. Um, that's what I heard on Twitter. It's like there's four Lost Box, three Turbo. I feel like I saw that Kyogre. somewhere too, yeah. Um, but I'm actually not sure if that's 100% true. Um, but yeah, Lost Box kind of taking over in... Uh, puerto rico uh, for yeah. sure and i do think there was some guard of war right i think it was one arc pile and then three guard war or maybe one arc pile two lugia three or two guard war one lugia um it was something like that though i'm pretty sure there was an arc pile uh in there somewhere I yeah where... stats just tweeted the players they didn't tweet the decks or anything like that so yeah it's still not a lot of results <laughs> very little info on the tournament yeah <laughs> people are trying to keep it hush hush not giving away too i actually much. just clicked on john's tweet uh i didn't i, I saw john's tweet yesterday uh, i won tweet but i didn't play the, the sable i gift and that's like seizure inducing <laughs> like, I just so like, i shouldn't the... play it. oh gosh yeah. <laughs> okay yeah i saw it for a split second not, not, not playing quite. that not quite <laughs> but it's like i don't like looking at it personally so i like stopped it immediately <laughs> yeah well um, congrats to john on getting the win um for sure i mean that's plus 200 points that he needs for his top 16 i think he was probably pretty locked uh, he was for top locked 16 up, regardless sure, but yeah he seemed to be worried about it so went down and i guess the trip was worth it got the win got 200 points um i mean if it's like a chance i don't know like i like if if like a flight was like really cheap for me it's like a one-day event as well like you can kind of get in and get out you know you could even like fly in friday night leave saturday or leave saturday night um if there was like a uh, special event near me i would maybe even consider doing that i'm not a huge fan of going to special events because there's just so much less on the line to take the time to go to them but you know if it's really close reasonable flight price and it uh definitely kind of makes sense um yeah. i don't think the uh i guess one thing i'll mention about the puerto rico tournament is i don't think it's like a great example of the potential of the format you know four lost box in top four uh seems kind of meh when you're like looking at the future of the format it's like oh is it like lost box of bdif and it's going to be like you know the next lugia or palkia in this format um or in this yeah in this format and i mean it's just like there hasn't been that much time this hasn't been out that long a lot of these players probably haven't put a ton of time in testing and it's also just not a very high uh it's not that many players either right there's still so many other players who have been playing with the set and could have uh, cooked up some other stuff a lot more to be cooked up hopefully in this in this format and it's not just going to be a 30 percent lost box meta although Lost Box kind of hasn't had its 30% moment yet. We've had the Palkia, the Lugia, the Mew. They've all had their 30% moments. Lost Box hasn't had its yet. Maybe it is maybe it is its time. Of course, it also might be Guard Wars time to just kind of be that deck. Yeah, so, I mean, is it a surprise to look at the results and see? I know you said you don't think it's going to be super indicative necessarily of what we see in Columbus, but, like, is it surprising that it's four lost box in top four and not four Gardevoir in top four. Cause the way like people are talking about the format right now, it seems like all I'm seeing is Gardevoir, Gardevoir, Gardevoir on the feed, Gardevoir mirrors, be ready for your Gardevoir mirrors, all that stuff. <laughs> um, uh, not really. I actually predicted 
Uh, it to win. I predicted. Did, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think there'd be four in the top four, but I think that's more of like a. Also, based on the players that I knew who were choosing to go there, it doesn't surprise me that it ended up being that many in the top four. Because like a lot of the players who were going of like the the top players that I knew were going, none of them struck me as uh, Gardevoir players. Gardevoir mains. Gardevoir mains. They've got like a certain a certain stereotype about them as well. <laughs> no, I just know none of them had been playing Gardevoir. Yeah. In like sure. last format, although it's definitely Gardevoir has definitely gotten a lot better. Um, it's also a deck where it's like, I think a lot of players would, a lot of players who are experienced with either deck would probably be playing Lost Box Mirrors as opposed to Gardevoir Mirrors. But I say that, but I've been playing a lot of Gardevoir recently on my stream, which is a little bit of a headache because of the <laughs> the energy attachments taking so long on PDCG Live with Gardevoir. But there is definitely a decent amount of depth to the Gardevoir Mirror for sure. Um, oh, yeah. So we should have talked about this in the intro a little bit, but you started playing TCG Live this past week on your yeah. stream, which you had not been doing very much. Why did you decide to do that? And well, I mean, I knew eventually. It... Like, there was no, there's no tournaments being streamed. There's only like so many other things to kind of do. And I do want to play with the new cards. It's not like I don't want to play with the new cards either. So uh, it was funny though. The the first day I streamed it, it's just it is really a headache to play games of Pokemon on there. The games take forever. If you're choosing to specifically play Gardevoir, the getting all your energy from your discard pile onto a Pokemon takes forever. Um, games in general with the animations and the actions outside of Gardevoir take forever. Um, but, you know, I did want to play with the new cards, right? Uh, but it was funny, though. The second game that I played on PTCG Live, the first day I streamed it, I got a, <laughs> a game-ending bug with Temple of Sinnoh. And there's still stuff that's always happening. Like, I think it was last week still that, you, that had happened, but yeah. Oh, did it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And then there's still, like, weird stuff with, like, sometimes you just can't get the card you want off, like, you use a chorus, and then you go to pick a... Or like, you use Mew. And then you just can't pick an item card there sometimes. That's like the, yeah. the more, maybe the most, because that's literally could be game ending. Is that like you use Mew, there's a battle VIP pass there and you just can't click it. And it's just like, you know, you get a couple of those in the in a row or with like two of those in like seven games or something. It's just like, you just want to log off. Like, it's just like, so like, not demoralizing, but pretty uh, really close. Sucks, uh, sucks the energy out of the, like you're like excited to play Pokemon. And then like that, like, oh, that's all it takes to really make you want to close it and go play something else. So in addition to Puerto Rico, there was the Japan, or sorry, not Japan, Korea championships that took place. We talked about Japan last week. Yeah. Uh, and the Korea championships were won by none other than Seijun Park. And Seijun is probably, I, I, th I think I've said this before, but I think he is probably just like the blanket best Pokemon player of all time. He's the 2014 yeah. VGC world champion. He got top 32 at Worlds in TCG in 2016. He got top eight at Worlds in Pokemon Unite last year. So it's like whatever Pokemon game this guy wants to play, he's going to play and he's going to, he's basically a pro at all the Pokemon games, which is pretty cool. Um, but he did. I mean, literally, literally a professional player for, uh, what's it called? T1 as well. So yeah. <laughs> like, oh, is he still? I think uh, he was. Yeah. I don't know if he is still. Oh, wait, former it's, yeah, T1. It's former T1. Mm. Oh, okay, okay. My bad, my bad. Used to be part of a big esports organization. No longer, I guess. Well, yeah, so um, he got the win in Korea with Miraidon and spiked the day two invite to the World Championships, which is pretty sick. Um, but yeah, I mean, so this is a list in our current format. Let's talk about this because there are some interesting things going on here. Uh, I mean, as far as like the more, the, the less surprising things, maybe there's like 
a couple Arvin in this list, the one Bravery Charm, a couple Iono with a Judge, so a little bit of a mix of those supporters. Then we look at things that might be a little more surprising, like one Flying Pikachu V with no Flying Sorry. Pikachu V Max. What the heck is going on, Azul? I don't know, to be honest. I guess it's like for some like late game kind of YOLO type scenario. Um, you know, you play it down and you just hope to get heads and then they can't attack you, right? It's just like protects itself, uh, mm -hmm. I believe, right? Yes. Oh, so, yeah. I have to imagine that is the the reason you play it, right? You you play it that you're just like, I own a low and then you just swing with the, or even early game against Lost Box, right? You just fly and hope it sticks for a turn. I mean, you get a knockout no matter what against Lost Box, right? And then if you get heads, you're nope. not getting hit, maybe? Nope. If oh, you wait. flip tails, it does nothing. Oh, my God. So it is just like a comeback card in the late game against probably Guardy and Lost Box. Like you play, I don't know. Put them it's low, just a one card inclusion to give yourself a heads. chance. Yeah. You know, play to your outs, right? That's like a VGC Definitely player a, mindset, yeah. right? I got to play to this, <laughs> the rock slide flinch or something like that. And it's way better through. than something like that, right? Because the rock slide flinches and stuff like that. Those are like, what, 10 percenters or something? But yeah. like a, a fly, that's a 50-50, bro. Video game <laughs> players love <laughs> love the TCG like on a heads. That's broken. That's broken. What? <laughs> But yeah, other than um, that, I mean, this seems like just a pretty straightforward like turbo list with yeah. the two two Flaffy two Raichu. This is kind of what we've seen from most Maridon lists at this point in the format. It does have the Squawkabilly EX in here? Seems like a deck that this card would be pretty decent in, right? Just a little bit of extra reach on turn one. I mean, this is yeah, like a definitely. turbo turn one, get your attack off turn one type deck, right? Yeah, um, and it's actually like this is like actually kind of like a hybrid list. I feel like between the the slower flaffy builds, but there's still like 14 basic energy in this build, right? So it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of like in between. I feel like Squawkability does enable that quite a bit. There's no well. Greninja in here, which is kind of interesting. You got the Billy now, so I feel like that kind of... I wonder if that's just better, maybe. Billy or the Greninja? The Billy. Yeah, probably the Billy. I think I think it is. I mean, you're drawing six compared to two, right? Yeah. And you need to have an energy. Like, I think, yeah, the Billy probably is a little bit better if you're trying to be aggressive. And I think that's the only way Maridon's winning games. Like, if you go second and you whiff an attack, you've lost. Like, the game's already over. <laughs> like, so... You can't be whiffing with Maridon, and uh, yeah, the Billy definitely helps that for sure. Um, so yeah, Maridon, I can't say that I think the deck is still very good, but uh, I mean, yeah, Sage and Park, I think you you put it well. Like, Sage and Park is definitely the best Pokemon player. I was going to say trainer for a second, but we'll go with Pokemon player. <laughs> a Pokemon <laughs> master, you could <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah, literally, Sage is the best Pokemon uh, player in the world for sure. Maybe he'll qualify all so far. for Go next year. Yeah, I guess I guess that's the one thing Sajin hasn't done. Hasn't played Go at Worlds yet. We've only had he's, one. He's going to be ago. a competitive Pokemon Sleep player. Never did it in Pokemon though. Pokemon's gone now, so no, no. I think he did do it in Pokemon. No way. I think I think he <laughs> qualified for Worlds in Pokemon, but didn't play at Worlds in Pokemon. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I, mean, I don't that's know. Still 100%. closer than anyone else will get. Like combining all the achievements together. I was talking to someone about this, and I think the the reason that he plays all the games, I think it's like not that uncommon in Korea because it's pretty similar to what it used to be like with our format back in like 2010, 2011, right? Where uh, TCG was one day of the event and VG was the next day. So it's like a oh. lot of people play both games because you can because That's they don't cool. conflict with each other. Yeah, yeah, that is kind of cool. I mean, I, I wouldn't recommend we adopt that but it is cool that you can that is something like that over there it's an um, option yeah the only way someone actually ever surpasses Sajin, it would probably be have to be the pokin world champion actually gets good at all the other games and then like qualifies and does well <laughs> that's like the only way for Sajin to be like one upped as like the the best pokemon player ever <laughs> it's like the, so it was the pokemon the pokin world champions whoever they are out there have to 
you know, make their make their move into the other Pokemon games. Oh, one last thing before we move on from this. Sajin did in the replies here post his matchups and records and everything. In day one, or I, I was it day one, day two? I, th- I think it must have been a day two, a two day tournament, right? Well, day um, one and then top cut. Yeah. Well, I don't know it if it's been like, all one it all happened in one day. Yeah, that's what I don't know. But uh, all in, in Swiss, he only dropped two games, but <sighs> one he went six oh two. So uh, his two games were rounds he did eventually win. And then obviously one out in top cut. And he put his matchups here, like I said, played against five Gardevoir in Swiss, went five and zero against them, and played against a Gardevoir in top eight and beat that. Six and zero against Gardevoir, which I would look at this list and be like, this doesn't seem very good. It doesn't have a great way to beat Gardevoir, but is like just Bye. being <laughs> aggressive, attacking turn two, and then hitting him with an Iono or a Judge. Is that just enough maybe sometimes? I do think Iono is actually really strong against Guardi. I actually think Iono is like really, really strong against Guardi right now. Um, like I like my Lugia list. I've been running three Iono. Not only is it really good against Lost Box, it's really, really good against Guardi as well. Um, so maybe I mean also maybe because of their, this is just a, this is just a joke obviously because of their format. Sage and Parks maybe just playing against a bunch against a against a bunch of video <laughs> game players who picked up Guardi decks and don't know what they're doing. Oh no! Um, obviously that's not the case. But yeah, I mean that's that's. I, that's impressive for this deck to be beating beating Guardi that much. But I don't know. Maybe Maridon is just like better than everyone gives it credit for. I don't think so. But um, yeah, I mean, Sage, like I said, Sajin is definitely one of the best, if not the best, TCG player over in Korea, right? So, you know, it's, skill out trumps all. So, sure. Most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like on average, skill will trump all. They were playing so- best two out of three over there. They were. They were. And speaking of best two out of three and best of one, that was a bit of a discussion that came up on Twitter over the weekend. uh, And it was a bit of a reaction to the results from Puerto Rico. Now, there wasn't a live stream for the Puerto Rico special event, but uh, there was like a pairings that you could watch live getting updated. And one of the things on the pairings page is that it shows you how many matches from each round tied. Uh, just like up at the top. So like that number is yeah. up, up front and center. And so I think that's where a lot of this discussion came from. And we're looking at round one, 23 out of 63 of the matches <laughs> ended in a tie. That's a pretty 30%. high percentage. <laughs> yeah. um, as we get through the tournament, it gets a little more number uh, normal. Round two, 14 out of uh, 64. Round three, 21 out of 64. That's pretty high again. So like yeah. some of these rounds we're seeing, you know, 33% or so, 30% tie rates. Which I, I would if, say a normal tie rate. What do you think? Like, what's a normal tie like rate at a 10, tournament? Think, like ten percent, right? And right? to twelve, I think, is like the average or the expected like average. Of course, it is a little bit format dependent. I wonder if round one there's more ties because it's just the first round of the tournament. Like people are a little bit less locked in, maybe a little sleepy, like not fully woken up. I wonder and you if you can like, see some of these average... key rounds, like round five, round six, yeah. where it's like you have to win or you're eliminated from the tournament for a lot of I mean, players. that's where also gentlemen's agreements will get involved as well, right? Where it's like they're going to make sure that the round is decided. So that definitely, be, like, uh, there would be more natural ties uh, for sure, potentially, if there was no possibility of a gentleman's in, in the game. But there sure. is, so we'll see less No ties way to know if that's necessarily part of it, though, right? I mean, it is like there definitely is. It definitely was multiple round or multiple matches were decided based on gentlemen's for sure in the tournament. There's no way it wasn't. Sure, it's just like expected. But yeah, I also like yeah, like early rounds more ties make sense then I guess as well. I was actually dude. I was thinking like maybe I should offer to like for like this one. They didn't have a stream, but 
We should have gone down there, Chip, and commentated it. I would <laughs> I would have been down. I don't want to go there to play, but I would have been down to go stream it and commentate it, to be honest. Uh, maybe. That, that's too. a lot. Uh, you've never done, like, I guess you did do a couple of the commentary for the grassroots things, but you never did, yeah. like, the production side of it. I never really did the production side of it, but I, mean, I like, kind of was there on setup day and saw everything that went into it whenever Dawes was <laughs> getting everything I mean, set up. we're not bringing, man. like, we don't need to bring, we're not going to have equipment like Dawes had for, um, what was the name of their critical the group, hit the critical hit we're not gonna have a setup like that but you know it just i mean all you need is a computer and two cameras and a mic or two mics whatever it wouldn't be that hard to do a little something <clears throat> yeah why don't you have these ideas like before that tournament happens because i just assumed they would have a stream to be honest but now that i'm now that i'm seeing more and more tournaments more and more of these special events not have streams i wouldn't mind going to a special event and then streaming it to be honest bring the equipment and then we'll look at it we'll look at it if you're running a special event next season, yeah, chipping Azul up, maybe we can make something happen. Yeah, definitely. Definitely would be interested in doing that. But what do you make of this? More ties, like early rounds. A lot of people are saying this is indicative of the format, and NAIC is going to be a mess next week, right? That if we're, I mean, because if we're having 30% ties in the early rounds of NAIC, <laughs> I mean, things are going to get a little wonky with a lot of 504s making it into day two. Maybe day, uh, maybe in day two, we see more 34 pointers making it through than normal with the size of this tournament though 35 points might not even be safe to be honest which is going to be pretty wild well, what was it what was it at because right now we're expected to probably have around 2000 masters players it's like tw i just checked it earlier before the cast it was like 2400 registered on yeah. rk9 and then like what Over 21 sure. 22 of them are masters uh but then we'll probably we, i don't think we'll actually hit 2000 players because there's going to be a decent amount of people who don't show up, right? Like, what is that percentage? There's always some no shows. Is. Yeah, I think it's possible we actually don't have 2,000 players. I think it's, I, I'm gonna, I would say it's probably likely we don't have 2,000 players. If we're looking at 2,100, 101 people not showing up, that seems reasonable out of 2,100, right? Well, probably like 200 people probably don't show that registered. Um, I don't know what the numbers usually are, though, to be honest. So, but what was EUIC? We can probably look this up on. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I'm on Pokestats Live. Okay. It's 1500 at EUIC. Okay, that's quite a bit less. That's going to be at least three, four. That's going to be at least like 400 players less. Uh, we're at EUIC. That's hard to actually predict. So then. the bubble at EUIC was 35 points. Ooh. Two people missed cut with 35 points at EUIC. How many people made it in? Only uh, three made it in. Well, I don't know what their, like, Pedro might have been in the bottom. It might have well, been the Aiden, same. Aiden was. 36. Oh, no, he has three ties. Yeah. So. so Pedro has one one less win, one more. But like loss. Alex no, could have been. Well, no, he doesn't have this right amount of ties. Pedro was 30. Oh, that's hard to figure out. Okay. It'll probably be 36. Like, it might be a clean 36. Or it actually might be that's 36. That's pretty bubble. wild, man. It that's might be 36 wild. bubble out. <laughs> There's a huge might not be difference between 35 and 36 match points. It's only one yeah. match point, but going 11 to 2 2 between that and then having to go um, 12 1 2, right? Or no, 12 2 1. It 12 30, 2 1. It could be 37. Like it's so it's a th the tournament's a th uh a, like like if we actually get two thousand players, the tournament is a third bigger. That's a huge jump, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's gonna be the biggest day two of all time without yeah. question, right? This it could be like thirty six might bubble. It might be thirty. I don't know. See, I don't know the math. Like thirty seven seems like it might be the cut for the, why the can't number you I need for cut. Scroll farther down here. I don't know why I can't scroll farther down to see the standings. I would say. We're still going to have people who go like 9-0. It's even more likely now that we have people who go 9-0. So I wouldn't say that we need a higher point. So ties are going to be super punishing 
in general. Like if your goal is to try and do well, top eight, win the tournament, whatever, tying at all, it's kind of super punishing. Yeah. It's like even if you're going into day two at like, I don't know, seven, uh, oh, two. Mm, even then, that's pretty good. What would it have to be like six? I don't know. I'm trying to like come up with a number. Six oh three. Well, like there was 159 <laughs> people, 158 people day two of EUIC. I mean, are we going to break 200 people day two of this tournament? Probably get pretty close. That seems reasonable. And so if you enter um, the day at... If you enter at 6-1, you can't make cut. <laughs> you have to go 6-0. You have to go 6-0. You have to go 12-2-1 to get to 36 match points. But 36 might not make it. It might not. I think it's, I think it's possible 36 doesn't make it. A third bigger is a lot. Like, usually we're looking at, like, 1,000 to 1,200. Like, what is the difference there for, like, the regionals that we have? Or, like, 900 to 1,100. Looking at, like, comparing a previous tournament to, like, the current tournament you're in. It's like, okay, what was the points you need for that, for this, whatever. But, yeah, a tournament that's a, a third bigger than UIC. Yeah, it's possible, like, even if you if you come in at 61, you might just literally not be able to make cut, even if you 6-0. Well, it's like, oh, it's hard to, like you might have, be able to, like, 30, dude, there's just no way that 36 Wait, isn't we punch the, it in? the bubble at least. All right, punch it into the limitless calculator right now. Let's see what they say. The Swiss calc. So we'll do yeah. 2,000 players yep. with a tie rate of 0. 0.1. Wait, point. Point. no. We should probably do 15, well, yeah, right? let's see if the tie rate's higher, right? Yeah. Two-day tournament. Enable risky IDs. Enable intentional draws. What is a risky ID? I think it's like uh, oh, IDing like to, ID get to the 36. Bubble. Yeah, yeah. No one's doing that, though. Get rid of that risky ID thing. Everyone at the top will be calculating it correctly. I don't know, man. I guess like we have Pokestats live. So, all right, cumulative players with day two thirty six match points. It, it does say six point six. Thirty five okay. match points is eleven. So this still has so thirty six is safe. Bubble being thirty five. Yeah. Well, not bubble. You're bubbling. You're if you're one of the thirty fives, you're praying to get. You're like if you don't get in, yeah. no one feels bad for you. <laughs> bubble in versus bubble out, right? Yeah. It's still if a bubble. Yeah. Yeah. Not the kind of. I think a lot of people don't understand that. Like when someone's like, "Oh, I bubbled out," but I. But it's like it's like, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, I bubbled out. It's like, well, I don't know. You were one of twenty people who could have got in. It's like not like, <laughs> like. Let's put it to ten though. Let's see what it says at ten. I was gonna do twelve. Okay, that's probably more realistic. And that puts it at eight. Seven point oh, wow. nine. Wait, so, oh, yeah, that makes sense though. Well, right, let's do let's risky IDs at twelve percent. It doesn't change anything. Just play. No one should be like. Yeah, with like Poke Data, you can check your resistance now too. So you should know if you can ID or not. Yeah. Anyone, dude, it's so cringe when people mess this stuff up too. And it's like, what is consecutive listen, if you're if you're in a situation where you're getting close to be able to get into top eight, check <laughs> Poke Data, check your resistance compared to everyone else. And then what was the other tool you said? You said another one, right? Check check Poke Stats live, live, see where everyone's at. Like, yeah. there's no way the, like, these ID things with the tools we have in the current day and age of the Pokemon TCG, these kind of uh, cringe IDs that like put people where they were never gonna make it if they ID should not happen anymore. So check your Poke Data, check your Poke Stats live. If you're in contention for a top eight or whatever, um, yeah, just do your do due diligence and then uh, play it out. Just get the dub if you have to. Don't don't worry about it. No yep. more cringe IDs. Shoutouts to all the people putting in the IDs, work to to make tools like this accessible for everyone so they know whether, whether or not they can ID in these last few rounds and stuff. Yeah, whether or not you can make that risky ID. That's new, though, right? The risky ID thing is new. No, it's, it's been there. Wasn't... It's been there. Oh, really? I, I hadn't yeah. seen that before. So, like, we see here at Fresno, 
there was two people at 34 and then four missed or three missed at 34 yeah, points. Dude. Like these people can go in and see their win percentage. So like Grant knew that he was, he, he was 11th. He knew his resistance was the worst of the yeah. people going so in. So even when he won, we knew he was bubbling. But yeah. like for Caleb, like me and Caleb looked at his resistance ahead of time. I wasn't super confident in it, but he was pretty confident. He was like, he knew he was probably pretty set with taking the, uh, taking the ID in the last round to make top eight. But I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, I think Caleb played against Sawyer on the ID, so Sawyer also made top eight there. But um, yeah, the tools are there, so to make sure you do your do your due diligence and. Uh, oh yeah, Caleb's that. resistance was fifty nine point seven two percent. Like, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty yeah, good. use the tools available to us. Uh, th- I guess that's another point, right? Like, you know, the good old classic discussion of round nine, day one. You're sitting there across from your opponent. You're six and two in round number nine. You can take the ID to make day two at the largest Pokemon event in the history of the Western part of the world, Pokemon events. (laughs) Do you take the ID to make it into day two or do you play it out because you need as many match points as you can get? It probably depends Um, on your goals as a player, right? I think a little bit of it comes down to personal goals. But if your goal is to get better and just grow at the game, like you could take the ID. At some point, you got to get over the I just want to make day two mindset, right? Well, it depends. It depends if that's all you want to do in the Pokemon TCG your whole career playing it. But I don't don't understand why you if if that's all you care about, then why not take the play it out, you know, play the game, try and get that seven two record uh, and then, you know, be actually playing in contention for a decent placement. Um, because then at that point, if you're not trying to be super competitive, who cares how you place, right? If you're just there to show, show up and play Pokemon, you know. But so yeah, I feel like a lot of people just need to get over that and start stop tying these or stop IDing these winning ends and like have that little bit more uh, cutthroat mindset. Um, we've definitely like, seen a lot more players as the season's gone on. We've seen a lot more people be willing to play it out. At uh, it's not that many. It's like me and Ian Rob. <laughs> like, no, it's it's definitely more than that. I mean, it's still like uh, it's, it's still dude it's like two azul, tables azul listen like i walk through every round nine at these regionals and i count yeah, it's the like me and people. one other person who dude. played it out the last two regionals <laughs> well it, it like just me. depends well it depends Actually, no, on the fresno, tournament i think well. there was a couple at fresno at Fre- I mean, but yeah, one of them it, was like me one of them was justin bukari so it's like yeah david tom have <laughs> also played it out in round nine the guy okay. who got top eight with dark rye like there's more people out there doing it than just you bro like <laughs> yeah yeah that's true that's true we need more though there needs to be more there needs to be more I just think it like makes it doesn't almost make sense even like from a, a more casual perspective of just wanting to make day two. Uh, if your goal is just to play Pokemon, then I feel like at, even at that point you'd still want to like play it out. I don't know, like maybe I'm just like a little bit too competitive in that uh, area. I don't have like the mindset of you know just being content with like something else that's not as much as possible. So yeah, I mean there is more money on the line as well here at the internationals, right? Like getting top thirty two. Which yeah, but you're you not getting still... top 32 if you come in at 61. Like that's not true. That's not true. Oh, cool. Well, obviously it's not true, but like your chance to do it is so much less than if you come in at 72. Like sure. a lot less. If there's 200 people in day two, would you get money for top 64? Though you do get top yes, 64 money. Yes, 500 bucks, I think. Yeah, I think it's 250. It's 500 for top 32, I believe. I think it's 500 bucks. Wrong. That's pretty good. That's all right. But yeah, still, okay. I think I I hope on like a, from a competitive standpoint that we get to the point where everyone plays it out at six and two at these major tournaments. Um, for some of like the smaller, well, actually we don't really have those things. Like in Europe, I think ID at sixty one makes a little bit more sense. But even then, I'm actually not too sure anymore, to be honest. Like like the five hundred person regionals, it theoretically makes a little bit more sense because then you can go like four two day two. No, because you don't even have them around. You could go like, could you go three two? 
four and one you take a loss i guess i don't know um obviously if you have like a bad matchup and you know what your opponent's playing then like offering the id and if they're cool with it then that's like different but yeah, yeah it'd be cool to one get to match the point, point is better than zero in that instance yeah it'd be cool to the point you know if we get to the point where everyone's just like playing it out on the on the win i think that'd be cool like from a competitive like uh standpoint like the way i never gonna it, happen like, it would be like a it would be a cool evolution of the community i mean, wonder what they do and i wonder what magic players do oh my gosh dude again. not this again I'm just if curious. magic does it we just need to do it i don't think I mean, ties please, exist please. in magic actually but i don't know 100 no i'm pretty sure they do it doesn't happen oh, it doesn't happen naturally yeah, they have IDs. They have, they have ties. They have ties. Okay. It just doesn't happen naturally. You don't naturally tie. It makes sense, guess. right? Because we do it, and so everything that Magic does, we should do, and so because we do it. I mean, I mean, I mean we've probably... literally been copying them for years at like a really slow rate. Like <laughs> I'm just saying. <clears throat> but yeah. Well, but yeah. regardless, this has been derailed from our original. What we're topic. trying to say is, if you're <laughs> six and two, play it out. Okay. You know, and then if you if you really truly like, if you're just trying to have fun in Pokemon, like if you don't make it, you know, there's stuff like side events. People are Cuban playing old decks. Like there's a lot of Pokemon. To still be dumb, but then if you come in at seven two, you feel so much better because you're not one of the six two one plebs, and you're ready to like take on the tournament on the next day, and uh, not just get top one twenty eight. So, don't ID. <laughs> also depends on your goals, right? If you ID and you get into day two, you get your world's invite. Okay, that's... that's true. That's like the one. That's like the one situation. Yeah, that is true. That is true. If that gets you your world's invite, that's definitely a different story. Good, good catch there, Chip. Good, good catch there. Yeah, but in general. <laughs> also for a lot of people some, a lot of people who are at naic have to win the tournament to get their world's invite you're not winning it if you go six to one but if you're seven and two going into day two or a lot of people have to get top invite. eight to get their world's invite yeah even. there you go then you got to be playing it out there we yeah go. you got to go for broke at that point right yeah we're all in baby oh <laughs> we're changing games <laughs> don't feel bad either about it either i think that's one thing too like a lot of people like it's like one of the things that I feel like comes up a lot is like people feel bad about like calling, uh, you know, a judge on their opponent when they're playing too slow and stuff like that. It's maybe not even malicious, but like, yeah, you gotta like, you gotta be okay. Like, it's it's one they of the feel bad that aren't, about aren't playing it out with. and then like beating their opponent out of being able to yeah. play it too. Yeah. And then their opponents, yeah, a lot of people like you have to get, you have to just be comfortable with it. And if your opponent is like a reasonable competitor, they might, I mean, in the moment, they might be a little bit down, but if they're a reasonable competitor, they'll, they'll understand the situation. So don't feel, don't feel too bad, um, in the moment. Like, or also, or, Remove yourself from feeling bad in the moment. This is going to be the no first emotions. time ever that we hit this kicker at a tournament that's been on the international championship page since internationals have existed. But there is a kicker for 1,600 players. And if we have over 1,600, then the top 512 get 60 championship points. So there's going to be a decent amount of people who probably wrap up those last few points they need just by getting top 512. But getting top 512 at this event, I mean, you probably still, I mean, what record? Five and five, oh. one, three or something like that. Or no, no, not that bad. Five, four, five, maybe. Two, two. Well, it's going to, we're going to be a, quite a bit over the kicker, right? We're looking at like, if we had just hit the kicker, it'd be pretty easy to get 512 events. If we just had 1600. Mm -hmm. um, but we're going to be at like 2K. Again. All right, hit it with the Swiss calculator. Shout out, <laughs> shout out Limitless and Robin <laughs> for, for doing everything for all they for the do, yeah. community. Yeah. What does Oops, the calc say? Two-day tournament. I wonder if Magic has a Swiss calculator on their, oh my website, gosh. their home website. Let's see, we have to go to, like, I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying. 16 match at? points would be the bubble there. So what is that? 531? 531. Is the bubble? Right. 746. That's... Oh, wait, no, I was reading that one down. <laughs> <laughs> wait 
yeah, yeah okay. that's five three one. Oh, but does it not tell you just the players um at a specific record? Yeah. Yeah, is that what it says on the that's right this. side? And this is cumulative players. Oh, I so was like, like, okay. Damn, that would feel bad to be one of the people who don't hit the five twelve then, because it's like wait, what's the number again? Five three one. Oh, but it's five twelve. Five twelve to get sixty yeah. points. I'd feel bad <laughs> if you're one of the people who don't get 512. Then That's why it's it. such a high kicker, though, for 1,600 players, right? Because yeah. it's like, at that point, that many people. Like, 531, still a solid record. You're only one win away from day two, right? So, like, that's still a solid record. So, it makes sense you should come away with something. But not everyone, apparently, who <laughs> goes 531. Yeah, not not quite. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. Well, that was a, Yeah. We kind of got derailed. This yeah, we're talking about best of one versus best, best of, of one versus best of three. So, <laughs> well, I don't know. We had some good discussions here. We showed off the limitless yeah, yeah. calculator, so now more people know how to use it um, and won't mess up their <laughs> their tie-in ins or whatever, whatever placement they're trying to get at NAIC. So we educated the people quite a bit here. Um, but yeah, best of one versus versus best of, versus best of three. A lot of ties at Puerto Rico. So the discussion has been had on Twitter a couple times. I do like how. Twitter is like now the hub for all the discussions in the Pokemon TCG. Um, yeah, for a long time it was Facebook, and that wasn't it. Cringe. The uh, forums yeah. were 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 that that's like before my time, but I feel like forums yeah. is like a better option than Facebook, to be honest. Mm, but I'm I mean, glad it's hard it's to Twitter. manage forums with that many people, though. That's like one of the problems. But yeah, a lot of people were talking about best one versus best of three with the tie rate. It's like Pokemon is obviously not supposed to be a best two out of three game if there's this many ties. Um, I don't know. I think even in like. I played Lost Box for a long time now. And recently, I've been playing a lot of full three games. Like, three games have been being played um, in majority, if not almost all my sets recently, like Fresno, Milwaukee. Um, now, is that because three games are completing or because you are conceding a game on turn two or turn three? Um, Sometimes I'm conceding. I Not re- not that often, though. Well, yeah, no, sometimes I am concede- conceding. Um. Because I went to three games a lot in Milwaukee, but it was because I was conceding, like, game two when I didn't think I was going to win. Yeah, but I think that's, like, one of the things, like, Lost Box is just a kind of, like, a, a slower deck. There's not, like, a perfect um, a perfect world where, like, everything will get, you know, three games will complete for every kind of deck in Pokemon. But I still think, like, best two out of three is, like, so much better than best of one. It's like not even close despite you when you have decks like lost box, or even I think people are like talking in terms of this, like specific format guardian lost box, the top two decks guardian also takes a little while to play through games, right? Especially mirror matches um, or games against lost box with guardian. So I think it's a little bit of the product of the format and way less of a kind of a knock against best two out of three in Pokemon. I still think best two out of three in Pokemon is like, I don't know. I couldn't put, really put a, quantitative quantitative number on it but it's like 10 times better than best of one yeah i mean just the better player is it true that like the better player wins a higher percentage of a time in a best of three versus a best yeah. of one yes. like you're eliminating the variance right <laughs> by a lot i think it's by a lot yeah um so and that's yeah, what definitely... like in a competitive game that's what you want you want the skill expression to be a high factor in a competitive game and so but that's like what makes this interesting, right? Is that there's a mix of like the RNG and the luck in here. So like a worse player can beat a better player sometimes, right? It 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 happens at every tournament all the time, right? Yeah, of course. It's, yeah. It, it's um but that's like I think part of the draw of this. It's like something like chess is pure skill, right? The better player is pretty much always gonna beat the worst player, uh, mm-hmm. as long as they're playing their best, right? 
Yeah, almost almost then uh, at that point in like chess, it's like the only way you're like beating the better players like due to like you know, I don't, I don't maybe they like did not get a lot of sleep last night. Like that's your win condition is yeah. <laughs> like a poor. You're not going to outplay someone who has a higher rating than you in chess. Yeah, not very often, right? So uh, obviously there are some gap. Like I don't know what the the elo gap would be. Like they would put on average of where like you might be able to beat someone like within ten or twenty or fifty. Like where like someone is actually be able to beat uh, a player of higher yellow in chess, but in Pokemon, yeah, it does happen a lot more often, but it happens a a lot less in best two out of three. I um, think part of the issue sure. that a lot of people have had with this though is just that ties feel so deflating to your tournament run a lot of the yeah. time. Sometimes you're on the end of that was a bad matchup. I'm happy to get one match point out of that. Um, and sometimes you're on the end of like, I would have won that game if we just had two more turns. Like th those are the really frustrating ones, obviously. Um, I agree what... with that, but I think a lot, I mean, very few people, if almost no one is actually maximizing their, um, you know, knowing a hundred percent went to scoop or playing as fast as they possibly could. Like, you know, no one's like, they, like they could be working on being able to play faster, um, or identifying that they have to go for a more, like, not, I like to, I hate to use the term risky, but, like, the, the optimal route is not the average route you would take in the matchup normally. Like, I had a game against Mew. Time has to become a factor, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I had a game against Mew at Milwaukee where we were about to go into time. I went into time on their turn after I took my first turn, and I knew that on my, before we were going to game three, I was like, okay, turn one, uh, I have to just burn through my deck, turn two, take a knockout with Dragonite, and then turn three, take two, take four prize cards with Kyogre up against a Mew player. And that's what I did. So I won the game in three turns. But I knew going into the game that that was my game plan. I was like, there's no way my opponent ever wins this game, but if I want to win this game, this is literally what I have to do. And then I just did it, right? So like identifying that you might have to play differently than you would on average, now all of a sudden that becomes the optimal line of play and not what you would do on average just based on you know the time left, right? So I think a lot of people just aren't maximizing in in a lot of those areas. And that's like... And a lot of people just look at it as kind of complaining about like the the game, the format of best out of three, uh, the format of the of the of the current sets with Lost Box and like Guardi, um, and it's not really like addressing their own problems. It's like the same thing where people like always kind of blame their like, oh I'm super unlucky, I always get unlucky, I always get tails on my crams. Oh that's predictable, yeah. I prize all my good prize cards. Like it's like just complaining in a different way, but really it's just them not maximizing their outs to begin with. So it's just it's another situation where like people just need to learn how to maximize their outs better and stop complaining. Well, Azul, I think it's time to move on to Guess That Flavor Text. But before we get into it, we do have to take a moment to give a thanks to Dragon Shield for being a sponsor of the Uncommon Energy podcast. Dragon Shield, of course, makes some of the best card gaming and tabletop gaming products and accessories on the market, including sleeves, binders, deck boxes, and of course, so much more. Azul and I love their products. We use them all the time. You got uh, a couple boxes ready lined up. You, you got an idea of what color you kind of want to go with for NAIC, Azul? Yeah, I brought some uh, blood reds, blood reds, and then I forget the other two colors. That's I been your go-to, well. I feel like recently. Yeah, yeah, I like the blood reds. Um, so yeah, bringing some of those. I'm uh, bringing a blue set. I'm bringing like four things of sleeves. I always like to have an extra thing of sleeves with me just in case like something happens with my deck and I need to resleeve it because sometimes just weird stuff happens. And you need to do like a full resleeve or something. So one one set for day two, one set for day one, one set for day two, one set for top eight if I make it. And then a fourth set, just in case something happens throughout any of the days with the, the other sets, you know, better safe than uh, than sorry. <laughs> 
Well, shout out and thanks once again to Dragon Shield for being a sponsor. You can find them on their website, dragonshield.com slash webshop slash either US or EU, depending on where you live. And you can also, of course, find them at your local card shops, big box retailers, Amazon. You can get them just about anywhere. Dragon Shield is the name you want to look for. We highly recommend them, and that's all we use. So it's a place, the way to go. And uh, with that being said, it is time for Guess That Flavor Text. It's Azul's pick this, this week. For anyone who doesn't know, with Guess That Flavor Text, each week either Azul or I picks a card, reads the flavor text on it, and has the other host try to guess what Pokemon is featured on that card. If you get it right, you get four points. If you get it wrong, or sorry, if and then we have three lifelines you can use. For each lifeline that you use, you lose a point that you could earn. So if you lose... If you use three life points, <laughs> you only get lifelines. You only get one point. I'm tired, man. Spent all day driving back from the beach. As soon as we got back home, I started mowing my lawn. So as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to bed, bro. <laughs> but, all right. Are Azul, you ready, Chip? You got, you got a card for me? I do. You ready? All right. Let's do it. I was actually thinking, how long do you think it's going to be until one of us, like, picks, I guess, that flavor text that we've already done before without, like, like without realizing that we've already done that one before? Part of me thinks it might be this program. week if you're asking me this question. No, but I was just thinking about it earlier. Because <laughs> one of the ones, like, I was just kind of looking through cards earlier while we were getting ready to start the podcast. And one of them, I read it, and I was like, wait. I was like, ooh, this one's decent. I was like, wait, we've done this before. I've had um, that same thing happen, to be honest, yeah. where I'm like, I'm like, yeah, this one, it would be hard. And I'm like, wait, we. I feel like we've done. It might not be the exact same <laughs> card, but it might be, like, the same Pokemon, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <clears throat> well, it does not prefer to fight. Even one drop of the poison it secretes from its barbs can be fatal. Um, well, I mean, my first thought is quillfish, to be honest. Poison barbs. What else? Poison barbs. I want to say that's an ability in the games as well. So, I mean, that there's like, but it's poison that it secretes from its poison barbs i mean i think it's it just is screaming quillfish to me like right away i'm pretty sure it is a water poison type yeah yeah it's like definitely a water poison type um do i want to just lock it in and guess quillfish for the four pointer that seems so easy that you would have given me that let me hear the flavor text one more time i might just lock this in as quillfish though well, it does not prefer to fight. Even one drop of the poison it secretes from its barbs can be fatal. Dude, how are these Pokemon like? Is that to humans? I assume that's to humans, right? Because that's just like, <laughs> like, it, like, like, are these Pokemon just out here that easily decimating each other? <laughs> like, dude, Pokemon are, I mean, animals <laughs> in real life kill each other. You know, it's it's yeah, gotta happen, but, like, right? <laughs> I don't think it's, it's happening happen. on this to the extremes that some of these Pokemon's flavor texts are suggesting. Man, I really just want to lock in and guess Quillfish. I don't know that Quillfish is a Pokemon that prefers not to fight, though, is kind of what I'm thinking about. It could be like Hisuian Quillfish as well. I don't know what the diff like if there's something there that we need to try to clarify. Like if I guess Quillfish and the answer is Hisuian Quillfish, do I get points for that? You know? No, you have to guess you'd have to guess Hisuian. Oh dude, it's gotta be Hisuian Quillfish then if he's saying that. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting some free lifelines here. Okay. Uh maybe I should use one or two. I am ahead, so I think I can give up the one or two lifeline points here. Let me go with what set the card is from. 
card is from Plasma Freeze. I'm pretty sure there's a Plasma Quillfish, man. The only other thing I would maybe think would be, like, Toxicroak, but Toxicroak is definitely a Pokemon that, like, wants to fight, I feel like. Quillfish, I could see not. That does eliminate Hisuian Quillfish, though, for me, obviously, because that's from Plasma Freeze. I don't even know yeah. if I would have known that, to be honest. I would have been like, it could still be the Hisuian. Bro, the Hisuian one is, like, <laughs> no, less than a year old, man. You've got to know that. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm locking it in. Let's go with the Quillfish. Looking for three points here, Azul. Do I get it? Oh, mm. but we'll walk right, through these other lifelines. Let's go through the rest lines. of those lifelines. Yeah, it is a basic quillfish, and its attack <laughs> is poison sting, brother. Quillfish. <laughs> How is this not quillfish? You know. All right, is it like venipede or something like that? Maybe it is not venipede. It is needle ran. Oh. <laughs> No, it does be having some barbs on it. I'm looking at the artwork right now. There is some barbs on the Nidoran. This Nidoran female. Yeah, Nidoran female. Would I have had to get get the female part right versus Nidoran male? Ooh, I didn't even think about that. Probably right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. They're like basically the same. Does the Nidoran male prefer to fight? Maybe not. There is one in this set, so I mean. Read the, yeah, read the other one. Let's see what it says. The other one says, it scans its surroundings by raising its ears out of the grass. Its toxic horn is for protection. Maybe not. It's for protection. It's not for aggression. I got too hung up on the, the poison quills, thinking of quillfish. I mean, I, a quillfish is like pretty reasonable. I thought of quillfish when I, ran, when I read the flavor text for the first time. I was like, quillfish. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, the attack, poison thing, basic Pokemon, yeah. Is poison barbs? I think I'm thinking of iron barbs as Ferrothorn's ability. That's an annoying one, by the way, that people probably don't like. It's pronounced Ferrothorn, not Ferrothorn. Ferrothorn. Yeah, nobody likes that shit. You can stop saying that. <laughs> Ferrothorn. Everyone hates. I'm just like waiting for a good Ferrothorn card to come out. <laughs> no one else is. They hope they never print that card ever again, so they don't have to hear you ever say it like in a competitive. On the All cast. right. Here we go. It's time, Azul. NAIC, the largest Pokemon event of all time outside of Japan, taking place this weekend in Columbus, Ohio. Probably around 2,000 Masters players. Um, it'll be just probably the largest Pokemon event of all time outside of Japan with just the number of spectators and VG, you know, Pokemon Go. There's all Unite. the games happening. Unite will be there as well. It's going to be massive for sure. Probably doesn't beat the most recent worlds, I guess. There was just a lot of spectators for that, right? But there will be a Pokemon Center, so there that, that'll probably bring a bunch of people out. So let's start off by talking about what is on the line at this competition. Obviously, 10K to first, 500 championship points, but that's just at the top level. There's a lot more to play for. We talked about already how top 512 pays out 60 championship points. And there's probably a decent amount of people who are going to be playing in the tournament this weekend that this is their last chance to earn any championship points to qualify for their world's invite. Um, I mean, what? There's probably going to be... I guess we could look real quick. Uh, this is not going to be updated because there's been tournaments this weekend, obviously. But I'll look real quick at the leaderboards and figure out how many... American players have qualified so far this year because that'll be the largest player group at this tournament, right? 
I mean, it'll also be like the largest largest amount of invites besides. It'll just be yeah, largest amount the of invites. Tournaments, yeah. Yeah. Uh, currently, and this is without cups and challenges from this weekend, there are 149 players qualified for their world's invite from the U.S. and Canada. How many players need top 512? Uh, that's 60 points. What? So they would need to have 240 points at least. Or wait, yeah. no, 290 points. 290 points. Did I miss it? No, did you? Yeah, I did. 290 <laughs> points. It's not that. Yeah, so uh, there's 191 players with 290 or more. Oh, really? So there's only like plus 50 players would yeah. get their invite in something top 512? players. Interesting, interesting. There might be a couple more, of course, cups and challenges coming in, but yeah. So we're looking at roughly, um, what, like 175 invites from uh, North America, probably. Yeah, and you know, maybe there's someone who comes in with only like a league cup finish, and then they just spike a top eight run. Let's you know, go. those things happen. Yeah. That those type of things are always so hype. By the way, I love to see <laughs> those type of things happen, but. Um, or like someone who hasn't played in a long time comes back and makes like a day two finish to get enough points, something like that. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, Good a old, lot uh, on the line is all, um, Tom Dozel route for anyone who doesn't know Tom Dozel, like kind of a, like a, a North American legend in the mm-hmm. Pokemon TCG. He wouldn't go to any tournaments in the, like, I, I, I think, I assume he used to play regularly, you know, back in the early two thousands, but then like 2010 on, he would only come to us Nats and, because it was an ELO system back then, he would have the baseline ELO. So anyone he beat, he would get a huge ELO boost. ELO boost. So basically, he would show up to US Nats and get his invite. And he did that. I don't know how many years in a row he did that. He also did that in some championship point years as well, I believe. Uh, but basically, he would just show up at Nationals, do well enough to get his invite multiple times, uh, has done it multiple times. Um, so yeah, it's called, I guess it's called the Tom Dozel from here on out. You like show up with like nothing, get your invite, guy getting a top eight or something. Uh, the Tom Dozel route, you know, it could happen, right? I think at this yeah. point, though, you'd have to get top four, <laughs> right? Yeah, top is that four. what it is? Top four. How many points do you need for the 350, right? Yeah, so 350, yeah. Yeah. top four. So, I mean, someone could do it, it's but it's yeah, possible. That's, it is, it is possible. <laughs> <laughs> it is the cherry on top, the, the, the carrot dangled on the end of the stick. Um, Definitely worth going to like that one or two league cups and get a couple points before an Azzy just in case, you know, just go play some Pokemon, have some fun locally, get a couple points, get just some in case. practice in with your deck as well. Yeah, right? it's a little practice, a little prep, a couple points just in case you make that top eight run. Azul, do you have any, um, have, did you ever find yourself in that situation where, uh, back in like, you know, obviously this has not been the case for you for many years, but did you ever find yourself in a situation like at the end of the season where, you're trying to close out that world's invite. You just need like one more finish. Do you remember a time like that? Just my first year. Yeah. The first, the first, uh, the first world's invite I got 2013. I needed to place like top four to league challenge or something. Do you so, remember like feeling any pressure or anything like that? Nervous nerves, how you dealt with those things. You're obviously uh, like, a lot younger back then, but not that I can remember really, to be honest. I was just like, I had like a couple challenges in a row and I was like, well, if I get top four at any of these, I just get my invite, lock it up. I was like pretty much guaranteed to get it at that point. I guess um, you had, it was, it didn't come down to like the end of the season. No, you, no, it wasn't at like time. Nats or anything like that. No, yeah. no. Yeah. I had a little bit of time. I I think I did go to nationals that year, so I still could have gotten it there if I needed to. I got my invite in 2017 and 2018. 
2018, I got it during like a quarter three league cup, I think. So I got it like halfway through the season, locked it up. And then in 2017, though, it did come down to NAIC. I needed to get points at NAIC in order to secure the invite. I think I've told the story on the cast in the past, but um, it literally came down to my last round, round nine. If I win, I get my invite. If I lose or tie, I get no points. Or I think if I tied, I would have still been on like the bubble record, I think, to get points. It was something like that. But when yeah. like locked it up, got me the invite. I was able to do it, was able to get the win. But I do remember kind of going into that <laughs> that game like, yep, this is it. This is it's going to be tough. But uh, we did end up getting there. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think the best advice to give to anyone who finds themselves in a situation similar to that where it's like this it comes down to this event for them to accomplish any of their goals whether it's your invite or day two whatever it is throughout the year being a better pokemon player is as we would say um is is just try, try to treat it like you know try to put the stakes to the side and just treat it like another game of pokemon yeah. where you're trying to make every correct decision as close as you can and just like play your best game uh, put everything else to the back of your mind and just focus on the game at hand. And then if it comes through and you're able to get your invite, make those goals happen for you, celebrate afterwards, and then, you know, it'll be such a relief and it'll feel so good. But in the game, try to just like not let that be something weighing on you. Because if you're focusing on that as opposed to your game, you're increasing your chance to find yourself making a mistake, right? Yeah. And it's like really easy to say. And like everyone kind of knows it. like if you like, thought about it and like talked about it you'd kind of be like oh yeah it makes sense like if i you know yeah. it is kind of treat it like everything i'm trying to remove my but it is, it is kind of hard in the moment like everyone's for a stream game first top cut and like a regional or something like that like all those things um you know you have to really experience it at the end of the day to be honest um to kind of get through it and be able to um become a more mentally strong player um so you have to like kind of do it no matter what or like your first regional whatever it might be I have to go through the experience to some extent. Um, and because I've been playing for so long, and it's not something I even thought about back in the day, to be honest, like I don't really have good advice for people ever in these kind of scenarios when they ask me that question, like how do I mentally prepare for my first regional or my first top cut or the first time on stream or, you know, playing on this, you know, your winning name for your invite. Um, whether that be to make day two or not make day two, if it's still the winning name for your invite, so the winning name for your invite, like how do you prepare for that? I just like, well, like gotta kind of go through it, but also like, yeah, just remind yourself it's just another game of Pokemon and like you almost have to, you almost have to make it, like remove the stakes from the match a little bit i guess like it doesn't matter if you win or lose just a game of pokemon but it's really hard to it's easy to say that it's just harder it's really hard to do that so at the end of the day you just kind of have to go through it yeah. more times you go through it the easier it'll be yep without a doubt um so we did want to also talk about this poll from omni joe who brought up for naic testers with live being what it is do you feel having used alternate testing methods like limitless simulator and IRL slash webcam, how do you feel about your grasp of the Paldea metagame? So how do people feel prepared for NAIC? And it was pretty overwhelming. 64.7% said less prepared than usual. 23.4 said about the same and only 11.9 said more prepared than usual. So a lot of people seeming to feel a little underprepared for this tournament. I mean, I guess live probably has the biggest, uh portion of that blame right azul yeah i mean definitely it's just really tedious to get through games sometimes and certain decks can't even be played i mean spiritum is currently still banned ting lu is banned like a lot of potential cards you'd include empoleon v is banned like 
lot harder to just kind of just play games <clears> of Pokemon. And like PTCGO used to be one of the most convenient ways to just play games of Pokemon, right? You didn't need a partner to play against. Pick a deck, load up a game on the ladder, play a game of Pokemon, repeat, right? And we we're hoping that it'll be like even better uh, and more done with PTCG Live, but it's been less done um, and it's worse. So, um, I mean, I feel less prepared in this in this format in general um, because of that personally. Um, I'm sure a lot of people, other people feel the exact same way. And a lot of people don't even have anything to fall back on like I do where I have like a testing group to work with, right? A lot of people don't even have that. Yeah. So um, it's way worse for a lot more people out there. So it does kind of suck, but um, I think uh, it's like, yeah, it just kind of sucks. <laughs> it just kind of sucks, but it's not a surprise that that is the uh, the results from the poll. Yeah, I think another factor as well could just be the fact that this format really isn't too different from our previous format, right? There's yeah. no big new deck. We got Chien Pao, but it's not going to be a massive metagame force like something like yeah. Lugia was when it came out or Gardevoir was when it came out. Like Chien Pao is a pretty low meta share deck, most likely. And, um, you know, unless that's something you're planning to bring, there's not too much to try to test there. Things like Ting Lu are probably not going to do super good, be super popular. Uh, and the big change-ups are additions of reprinted cards for a lot of things, right? Like the Super Odd and then uh, Iono is obviously a unique card in of itself, but like just reprinted Hand Disruption. Um, so like a lot of people, like we kind of know what these cards do and they just slot into the existing decks. So I think like yeah. maybe part of it is people being a little complacent with not feeling like they need to worry about testing as much because um, one, the online client isn't that good. So it's like the motivation isn't there to seek it out. You have to seek it out a little bit more. It's not just readily available for you to queue up into the ladder into whoever you want to. Um, and because you feel like you already kind of know with what the metagame is or like can at least theory through like the impact that the new cards have on it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's like, yeah, there's a lot, a lot did not change. The most powerful cards are still just kind of too powerful. Um, and I think we're like, it almost feels like we're a little bit away. Like we need like a rotation or two to kind of adjust the meta. I think like the problems right now are lost box and like battle VIP pass are kind of keeping us stuck in this 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 meta this format i don't know it always feels like it's something but just some cards being a little bit too strong but um yeah i mean not that much change i feel like that is like pretty reasonable like it's just yeah new cards making what were the most powerful decks before even more powerful which i feel like just kind of narrows the meta right then this meta feels more narrow than last format for sure yeah i think so um I did feel like there was a bit more variety. Things have kind of centralized around really just two decks so far in the format, it seems. I think Gardevoir and Lost Box are probably going to make up over around 20%-ish each, give or take maybe a percent points for Lost Box with so many variants of it. But they're going to be pretty high up there as far as play. Uh, and speaking of which, let's go ahead and start with our meta discussion talking about these decks. And it's got to be Gardevoir up at the top of the list, right? Become pretty evident that... Gardevoir is the best deck, or at a minimum, the deck to beat going into the tournament. It will certainly be the most popular deck in this tournament. So with it being the best deck, with it being so powerful, gaining so much from this last set with Super Odd and with Iono, and Artisan as well, honestly, that's a card that's been super huge for Gardevoir, in my opinion. Um, nice. What reason is there to not play this deck? Um, I think the Lost Box, I think it's still unfavored against most Lost Box builds. Um, if if not as much as it was before, it was definitely more unfavored before. Um, so it's getting closer. But I think you're still unfavored. Like, that would be kind of the only reason 
to not play Gardevoir. But uh, yeah, it definitely has the best matchup spread in the format. It feels almost uncounterable. It's really hard to counter Gardevoir. Like, there's no decks that can, like, truly, it feels like, exist in the meta that can be built with the purpose of countering Gardevoir, but actually still be able to get to the point where you play enough Gardevoir. Like, you can't play enough Gardevoir to actually, like, get to potentially a top eight with any of the decks that actually hard counter Gardevoir, right? Along the way, you're either going to have, like, a bad Lost Box matchup or you're just going to be bad against Mew or something like that, and then mm-hmm. your deck kind of falls apart. Um, you can't actually push to ever compete for like a top eight spot. So, yeah, I don't know. Guard War is just uh, yeah. The only reason would just be like if you just don't want to take an unfavorable matchup against Lost Book. I think it's like literally the only reason. So that'd be like the thing you'd have to to ask yourself. Um, because I think it is still still at least slightly unfavored against Lost Box, but it's getting close. Yeah, the I like Iono spam is pretty strong against Lost Box, right? But I think that, and I heard you talk about this on your stream a little bit. It's almost like the Lost Box players need to change their play a little bit and be more aggressive with setting up their board, right? Like getting yeah. down that extra Sableye, getting down that extra psychic energy so that you can withstand the Ionos a little bit. Um, yeah. So if Lost Box players are like adequately practicing the matchup, I think a lot of people will realize this and feel more prepared. Um, I think like cards like also like Palpat and stuff really help that for like Lost Box as well because you can put two colors back in the deck or whatever and then you're like that much more fuel to work with as they start to Iono spam you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So there's like a lot of things Lost Box can do because Lost Box also got, you know, super odd in this set. Very good card. You can be more yeah. aggressive with Pokestop now. We talked about that in the past, how you're not as reliant on Clara like you were in the past. Um, So with Gardevoir, let's talk about some of our list preferences. If it's going to be really popular, right? Um, What lists do you expect to be most successful? Anything spicy people should include? The Driftlim or the... Uh, or Drifloon, sorry, or like the Champions Festival shenanigans, or is consistency king for this new format as well? Uh, I can maybe see something like Champions Festival being played. The Drifloon doesn't seem very good. Drifloon's actually like kind of cool in the mirror match because it's another attacker that's not a Gardvor. Yeah, basically sure. the game plan in the mirror is like to not attack with Gardvor as much as possible, except if you use like an EX in the early game when they can't want to KO it, um, then that's fine. But yeah, the game plan in the mirror match is basically don't attack with Gardvor uh so like the Drifloon can add like another pokemon you can kind of send up and continue your prize trade back and forth with um but besides that i've just been playing like the super straightforward build basically like a card or two different from the build that took down the yoshi yamaguchi uh, no not yoshi the one that won the or got second at uh the japan championships um, oh, okay the more recent one yeah it's basically like a card it's like a card different from that um the card or two different from that but yeah i mean it seems like most people are playing like that almost that exact 60 or like two cards different right yeah very close so this has been like the go-to i do like the spirit tomb i think my biggest thing with the spirit tomb is it's obviously very good against mew but i actually think spirit tomb is really really good against lugia but there's basically no lugia to be seen as of late yeah lugia uh, like fell off there, the but... face of the earth it feels yeah. like yeah I don't even think the Guardian matchup is that bad, too. I don't even, like... <laughs> it just did just disappear, though. Because uh, I think Iono in Lugia, like, up against Guardian, is actually really, really strong. Uh, they do have, like, the Temple of Sinnoh Iono play at the end of the game, but, like, I don't think that's, like, too oppressive to make the matchup, like, unwinnable for Lugia. Yeah. So. And honestly, like, if Lugia... Like, it does seem like Lugia is on a pretty downward trend right now. If that's the case, maybe a lot of Guardian players drop the Temple of Sinnoh. And if a lot of Guardi players drop the Temple of Sinnoh, then it's like, yeah, they, you don't have anything to worry about, right? But we're talking about Guardi here. We're not talking about <laughs> Lugia just yet. Um, 
Yeah, four stadiums. I mean, it seems like a lot. There's no worker in here. That was something that was kind of a staple. Uh, yeah, have you been a fan stadium. of the heavy stadiums versus yeah. having like the supporter option? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like the, I still have Palpat in my list. Like that, this list doesn't have Palpat over the third boss because I, I don't even like it to recover boss. I like it to recover more Ionos. Like in the mirror match up against Lost Box, like maybe you discard an Iono off a refinement or an Ultra Ball. Um, or if you go turn one Iono, turn two Iono, you only have two Iono left there, and there's still like three or four turns left in the game. Like, yeah, and it, also finding them, I think, becomes an issue without Palpat as well. Like, you have two Iono left in the deck, but if you don't draw into them, you don't have them, right? So, I've been yeah. liking the Palpat over like the third boss just to have more Ionos throughout a game, but yeah, but definitely the worker, I've liked the, the, the more aggressive uh, option through the stadiums and the worker, even though I play the Palpat, so I've been liking the, the four stadiums. The Spirit Tomb thing is interesting, right? Because you know for anyone who isn't aware it is banned currently on tcg live so if you're looking at online event results or playing on the ladder you've not seen any spirit tomb because people are not yeah. able to play it <laughs> in the game um and, do you think that like skews anyone's play testing or thoughts going into the tournament since it's not able to be played i mean even with spirit tomb not being legal on tcg live if you look at the play limitless tournaments it's not like with Spirit Tomb being banned, Mew has not been dominating, and even Lugia that it's good against has not been super popular either. Um, yeah, I mean that definitely makes things a little bit interesting for sure. The lack of Spirit Tomb in online tournaments is a little bit weird as well, but online tournaments are generally not like a great um analysis of what the meta will actually be at like major tournaments, you know, because like a lot of people like to like play the new stuff, right? So like Ting Lu was decently played pre-ban on live chi and pal is probably more popular in online tournaments than it'll actually be at the tournament stuff yeah, like that sure. um but yeah i think i mean i like the yeah the spirit team is a little bit awkward it's like it's harder to test right now obviously because you can't do it online um or on live um but yeah i mean i think spirit team is like still pretty solid i think Mew will be reasonably popular like more popular than it has been at on in online tournaments it'll be more popular than that at the actual tournament any uh, spicy text in Gardevoir you think we could see pop up? One for me that I think like could be decent that we might see pop up a little bit is the Gallade from Astral Radiance. I think Gallade is actually pretty decent right now. Um, but it's a little less necessary if you're like playing the super straightforward supporter count, right? If you're just playing like the four Iono three boss and then a couple yeah. research in there, you don't maybe need the Gallade as much. But if you've got a couple of the tech supporter options in there and Gallade's honestly like a decent attacker in both Mirror and against Lost Box, it's got a lot of HP. A buddy buddy catch one is that or the buddy catch? I always yes. call buddy buddy catch. Yeah. Buddy buddy rescue. Um, it's like oh, you just don't have the. I don't think you have the curlius to support it. You have to. That be is playing, the biggest issue, right? If you play the mirage step curlia, then I think all of a sudden you might have the Pokemon to impl in play to support that. But it's like and there's like a ton of matchups where you don't can't even afford to mirage step. Mirage step is also like kind of cool against uh, Mew because of Lost City, so you can get out like two to three curlius through mirage step. And then you candy all your Raltas up to Artis or Galleys or whatever. And then you have like a little bit more to work with as far as draw power on board goes. And they're not just like loss zoning your your draw power every time they attack. So yeah, the, the, I'm not a huge fan of the Galade. Yeah, but you said you have to be playing like some kind of tech supporters. Because if you yeah, if you just have boss and Iono in there, I don't know why you're playing the Galley. <laughs> it's not worth the trade-off for sure. Sure. Losing access to a Ralts or uh, to a Curly, I should say. And then the other thing we wrote down here is mirror tips, things that you think people could do to improve their win percentage in the mirror. If the mirror is going to be as popular as we think it is, and it probably will be. Yeah, just don't attack with Gardvor. <laughs> like you just re 
retain your draw power is super important. Attack with Cresselia. Even like in weird situations, you can att you can attack with Mew to like knock out uh, opposing the, Gardevoirs that yeah, they the like put too much damage it. on. Yeah, if they have to build it up to like KOization or something weird, I don't know if there's like a weird situation that comes up where they built up enough damage. I've attacked with Mew in the mirror before. Um, it doesn't happen a ton, but yeah, just use Cresselia. Maybe a lot sneak that Drifloon in there, huh? Yeah, the the Drifloon is pretty Drifloon. nice. You're not you're not losing a Curly or a Gardevoir to like attack with it for turn. So it is it is definitely nice to have sometimes. We'll see. We'll see what ha what ends up happening if people find some techs. We'll start with uh, Lost Box now as well. Deck number two on the list, and you seem to think it is still favored versus Guardi, even with four Iono, which I think is like kind of a scary thing for a Lost Box player going up against a deck where they know they're going to be hand disrupted basically every single turn, right? Yeah, the potential is there, but yeah, I think if you just like you learn how to like play a little bit more aggressively about setting stuff up, like setting up a Dragonite, multiple Sableyes, just kind of like heavily set your Pokemon up into play, and then it, it definitely still feels like it is slightly favored against Cardboard, but not by not by much. It's it's pretty close. It makes it hard to makes it hard to for there to actually be an argument of not playing Cardboard to be honest, because of the of the rest of the matchup spread. And with Lost Box, obviously, there's a ton of versions. You've most recently played the Turbo Build in Fresno. Um, you played Kyogre for most of the last formats. You've played the Sky Seal Stone Box that you won OCIC with. So you've played Lost Zone Box and pretty much all of its variants. You even played Sablezard <laughs> at EUIC. <Yeah. laughs> so, uh, you know, as someone who's played so many versions of the deck, what's best right now? I think, like, initially... Kyogre seemed so strong because of Super Odd. Like, Super Odd is just a massive boost to the Ogre, but is Iono too good against Ogre? Um, it's like in the Guardian matchup, it is, but like, yeah, but you have to like play a bunch of other cards that are like specific to Kyogre, and like Lugia is not as popular as it has been. And then yeah, the which Ogre was the main reason is... Kyogre was good, right? Yeah, I feel like Kyogre is probably not the way to go, just like some kind of more turbo ish build. I know. Aiden just got second with the Aerodactyl type build, but I don't think there's enough Lugia to warrant the Aerodactyl uh, right now. So I'm not a huge fan of like the the Dactyl uh, type build. So I think just like some some kind of turbo, not quite as turbo as the Fresno build. I think it was a little bit too turbo. You don't need to go that turbo. You need to go that turbo to be able to beat Lugia. I feel like, but you don't need to be that turbo against like Guardian Mirror Match and stuff like that. So wouldn't play anything like Trekking Shoes, but still like vacuums. Or Shield Stones, Pokestop. Pokestop is just such a good card, such a better card in the deck now that there's no Clara or that you can have not play Clara. A lot of people are still playing Clara, but I don't know. It four. probably is still good to play the card, right? Like, I wouldn't. <laughs> just three no. to four, super, three to four super odd, four Nest Ball. Like, it'll make it work. It's fine. Just play a chorus. Yeah, I mean, I sometimes I they Iona you to two and you need to find super odd plus Nest Ball now, right? Like, my Sableye's already on the bench. He's been there. He's been hanging out. <laughs> We're good to Every go. time, though. Every, every time. time. Often enough, Sheesh. two two of three times, two of three times. Any That's reason to play Sablezard? I don't think so. Um, I've heard, been hearing like a couple people talk about like playing it with like the melodic because you give a little bit more space in that deck. The melodic, of course, like doesn't allow your hand to be disrupted by stuff like Iono. So maybe that's a good enough reason. But would you be like a one-one melodic? They're just gonna boss KO at first and then Iono you the next turn. Or are you playing like a two-one melodic or a two-two melodic? Like I don't know. It doesn't seem worth the space trade-off and having to set it. Also, like. How are you finding the melodic? Are you playing Ultra Ball at this point? Like, where are we going with this? It doesn't seem like it's quite... It doesn't seem like it's it. And you pretty much always have to be willing to sacrifice two bench spaces as well, right? Like... Well, if you're doing, like, a two... Yeah, two Feebass down. Right? Well, because, um, I mean, you almost have to, right? Because... 
unless you can get to a point where it's like if they're bossing on this turn then i win the game next turn regardless because they didn't disrupt yeah. my hand right but well also i mean like if they're going to boss your melodic for a turn or your feebass that means they're not killing your sableye which means you can then set up another sableye or even another sableye and then you just have like a little train of sableyes ready to go you know as the game progresses there is the um, ascension feebass right so like theoretically yeah. you can get to a point where I mean, maybe in like an ogre build, this wouldn't. Be yeah, an ogre art. build. I mean, Bernardo Diaz actually played this at the, I don't know what tournament it was. It was the tournament in Europe, the most recent tournament in Europe, I believe. Turin, the Turin special event. They played ogre lost box with a one-one melodic. So basically, you could sit there, and it's a lot better now because you have super rod. So like you can super rod back in the feebass and the melodic, and then ascension into the melodic, and then they can't disrupt your hand and they KO it, and you can even do it again until you eventually build up to the ogre play and then you just ogre them for the game. Um, so that's, it is kind of cool for sure is it worth playing though is the question and the answer is maybe not yet right and the thing that's interesting about so, this no. tournament as well is the fact that this format is our world's format right there's nothing new coming out there's not going to be a rotation or anything like that so like this format yeah. for this tournament is going to heavily impact what happens in the world championships in august so um yeah when was the last time we had like a how long has we had like something new for worlds a while now right let's see 2018 did we get a new set the guard we did Warner. we got the Rayquaza gx right that was yeah, that yeah first we got Rayquaza gx and the year before that we got gardevoir Guardi, Guardi gx 2016 might have been the same no 2016 we got steam siege but steam siege just didn't change much we got yeah Volcanian, <laughs> which wasn't very good and then it was the just nightmare we got the talent flame yeah. the talent flaming but, Greninja, but it's right? still a set did release it's been a while since we've had no switch up for worlds actually nothing nothing new set or rotation it might be 2014 um, worlds is the last time i think what year was that i don't remember what that's verizian that genesect i think that was probably the same format yeah i think so it's been a while since we haven't had a change up at worlds between uh u.s nationals slash nic and worlds so with that being said this is actually an interesting question that doesn't have to do with any decks or any meta or anything like that. I mean, is there ever a world where if someone comes up with a deck that they think is just absolutely broken, beats the format, do they ever not play it to this tournament and save it for Worlds? I don't think so. There's just there's too much time between now and Worlds. There's too much of a risk that someone is already gonna, also going to play it at NAIC yeah. and it already gets leaked. Or between NAIC and Worlds, that it like the meta shifts. Else comes up with it. Yeah, or the meta shifts and you can't do it anymore, right? Like, what if Gian Pao is actually way better than everyone thinks and everyone's just playing it wrong, but then someone plays it and wins NAIC or top eights it with like a broken list and it's like, oh, I don't beat Gian Pao. Now Gian Pao is 15% of the meta and my deck sucks, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you got a, if they, if, generally speaking, if you have a secret deck or a deck that works really well in the meta, the best time to play it is now because you never know what someone else is going to come up with or where the meta is going to shift next week, right? So with moving off our Lost Box discussion into a different Lost Zone deck, uh, a deck that, Zul, you've got a love-hate relationship with yourself. <laughs> no, I do not have a love. It's not love-hate. It's just deck is bad. That's fair. That's yeah, <clears throat> definitely not love-hate. It's just a hate-hate, big-time hate relationship. <laughs> I don't even hate the deck. I just don't think it's good. Like People think I like hate Lost Tina. Do you know what we're talking about already, everyone? Yeah, it is Lost Tina. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even hate Lost Tina. I just don't think the deck is good. There was three, though, in top eight at the Japan Championships, but you notice how it once again has not won anything? Okay. I well, do. I mean, you know there's more to the game than winning these tournaments, right? Like, history really. remembers winners, obviously, but, like, consistency is what prevails yeah. overall. And but so if, you're consistent, if you're consistent, you're going to win eventually. 
Tina, any reason to play it? <laughs> oh, any? I didn't hear your question. No, I don't think so. I actually did play some on the stream the other day, and it was it felt pretty miserable. The deck is just not that good. I don't <laughs> think so. I think the deck is just not that good. I don't know how there was three in top eight. To be honest, that's a little bit of a. I mean, it has picked up and play online. It is fourth most popular. You know, people are people are playing it. People are coming back. I mean, to it. I it's hope not... they bring it to the tournament. More free wins for everyone else. Like, bring them in, bro. Bring them in. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> but you thought All right. it. And the new deck to come out of Paldea Evolved is, of course, Chien Pao. Have you spent any time with this deck at all? I played it a little bit last week. Um, and I was actually, when I first played it, I was I, I kind of like going in was, uh, had like expectations set of like what I thought this deck was going to be. I was actually a little surprised. Like it was a bit more powerful and like more consistent and more solid than I thought it was going to be initially going in. It's definitely solid. It's one of those decks where it feels, it feels like, so card advantage is a thing in like every other card game besides Pokemon because there's not so much draw power and stuff like Hearthstone, Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, but it's definitely one of those decks where you feel like, I have card advantage, you know what I'm saying? Like you're getting the two cards off your Chien Pao's ability every turn. You're using Greninja plus one. It's like you're plusing cards here and there in all these little ways. Um, it's, it definitely is like, it makes you feel, like, kind of like Lost Box feels like that way in the early turns as well. You're trying to build up, you know, that hand um Chien Pao, yeah definitely felt solid i just don't think like it, it just struggles against guardy i feel like it's extra guardy and lost box i feel like it's unfavorable against both if you're unfavorable against the top two decks why are you playing the deck right i don't think it's really a great solution there's like the canceling clone stuff that people have been doing but um it's one of those cards with the combination of excalibur where i think you know it'll have its moment down the line it's not right now on release but i don't think it's a terrible thing we don't need a new broken bdif every set release and maybe it's almost like a good sign that this isn't that next broken BDIF. So when we get a couple rotations deeper into the EX format, you know, a lot of these other EXs have a ton of HP and cool attacks and stuff, but aren't very good right now because our current cards are just kind of too powerful. So GM Power, definitely one of those to, to look forward to down the line, I think. But right now, it does not feel great in the current meta. Where do we feel like Mew stands right now? Obviously, Fusion Mew got uh, first place in the Japan Championship, so that kind of put it on everyone's radar. A lot of people are playing the the little Ice Q, the Fusion Strike Ice Q, which is kind of <laughs> cute. Um, are there too many counters out there, though, for Mew to do well? Uh, you know, we got Drapion. We've got the Spiritomb. Those are really kind of the two main ones. What do you think? It feels like there should be. It feels like there should be too many counters out there to play it, but it still keeps doing well. Like the second place Guardi list had a spirit tomb in it, and they still lost to the Fusion Mew. There's going to be a lot of Europeans at NAIC as well, and we know they hate trying to beat Mew. So it's going to be uh, less uh, spirit teams and Drapions than they're normally. <laughs> so I'm not too sure, of course. I Yeah, I think. I wouldn't play Mew because I also like like Spiritomb and Guardi. So I would play Spiritomb and Guardi. Um, I yeah, I wouldn't play Mew. The Lost Box matchup I don't think has changed too much for the deck as well. Like I think it's still um, unfavored against most builds, if not all builds of Lost Box. You got the Lost Cities in there now, um, and I actually I think the Lost Cities are okay against Lost Box, but they're really good against Guardi. Lost City is really good against Guardi. Also, if you're gonna play Chien Pao. I know a lot of people are fa a big fan of the skater parks. A lot of skaters out there. I get it. It's a cool card. The synergy with the deck is obviously good, but I just think you haven't tried Lost City in Chien Pao because the power that that card brings to the deck up against Guardi and Lost Box is huge. It's like a huge game changer in both of those matchups. So if you're a Chien Pao player who hasn't tried the Lost Cities in those matchups, definitely give it a shot. I think it's definitely the way to go personally. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know. Mew is like, it feels like it's never terrible, 
but yeah, I wouldn't rock it right now. I think there are just too many options for people to have like a spear tomb or a Drapion. It's just like, yeah, it's just like doesn't seem worth the headache to bring to bring Mew right now. If you were to play Mew though, do you think it would definitely be Fusion Mew or like I think if you, you have to? If you sit down across from someone, I mean, we're probably sitting at like at this point, it's ninety percent that your opponent's playing Fusion Mew versus DTE Mew, maybe even higher, honestly. Yeah, especially for like each win you accumulate in the tournament. Like, I feel like the chance of it being Fusion Mew goes up and up and up and up. Yeah. Because yeah, Fusion Mew. I mean, DTE Mew just can't handle Spiritomb at all. You just lose. Like, is it just is Spiritomb like the Greninja break effect though, or the the Giratina promo effect, right? Where it's like it can't hurt you, or <laughs> you know, like <laughs> this card doesn't exist. You know, like you know what I mean though. Like, yeah, will people like, actually even play the Spiritomb in their deck is the question. I think there'll be a decent amount of it. Like, I think there'll be enough um, where it makes it not worth playing Mew. Although I think it could be one of those little bit, a little bit more of those back and forth, especially leading into Worlds, where it's like maybe at that point, maybe come Worlds, no one's going to have the Spirit Tomb, and there might not be as much Drapion. But even then, it's like not like Guardi. If Guardian Lost Box aren't overly teching for the Mew matchup, it's not like they have a bad matchup against Mew anyways, right? So it's like... Yeah. Um, you just become a, a fine playable deck at that point. But yeah, for NASC specifically, I think there's going to be a little bit too much. Not a big fan of, of the Mew. So it does feel like go, if you are going to bring it, bring the, bring the fusion though, for sure. It does feel like Lugia has fallen off a little bit in the current format. We don't see it doing as well in the online tournaments. I haven't seen it be the center of much discussion. I haven't seen many lists online on Twitter and stuff from people. Um, but it does feel like the colorless version has been a little bit more popular. It may be just a little bit because of the jump at the start of the format, right? People are excited to try the jet energy, the therapeutic energy with the Snorlax. Like, there's a lot of decent cards coming out in this set for Lugia. We've even seen people playing, like, the luminous energy with Charizard again. We've seen the um, reversal energy with that Luxray coming up. Yeah. Lots of things Spies. you can do with Lugia right now. Um, why do you do you think it deserves the fall off it's had so far, like the the decrease in play? Um, and of all the mini versions, what do you kind of like? I mean, the decrease in play it feels like comes because it's split now, right? Between the colorless and single strike, a lot more people are playing the colorless build as well online because it's the new build. Um, but I I still think single strike is just better. Like dark attackers against Guardi. The T-Tar against the Lost Box decks, the potential to mill with the T-Tar, like uh, Stone Journer, I think even gets a little bit better now as well to like match the Raikus in the Lost Box decks. Like, yeah, I just don't see a reason to not. To, like, when I when I played the Colorless build as well, it's just like you just don't have any powerful plays. You're like 180 with Snorlax is <laughs> it's your turn. <laughs> it's just not very good. And we've seen what well, we saw in the development throughout because I pay attention to all the results from all the major tournaments. Um, uh, from t from the earlier stages when uh, Taiwan or in, over in Asia they got access to these cards, they were playing the colorless builds, but single strike builds are still doing better. And then uh, up to this point now, where it's basically only single strike builds over in like Japan and stuff, they're not playing the colorless stuff from what I've seen. Like whenever I tune into the streams and watching those, they're never really playing the colorless build anymore at all. Yeah, we didn't talk about this last week because I don't think it was updated on Limitless yet, but we do have the rest of the decks from the Japan Championships. Last week, it wasn't totally filled in. We didn't have all the lists. Now we do, and the top 16 did contain two Lugias. Now, they were 15th and 16th, so they didn't make it super far into top yeah. cut, but both of the Lugias were single-strike Lugias. Yep. This yep. one had two Stone Journer, two Tyranitar, and the Squawkabilly, 
And then this I one's a little bit more fan. unique. It's got the Stone Drenner and the Evil Tall, but it also has Luxray with the Reversal Energy and also a Metacham V. Yeah, the Metacham's interesting. For the Guardian matchup, I assume, right? Yeah. You make a big Lugia, make him work for it, and then Metacham to get ahead. The Luxray's like for Mirror Match, but I don't think the Luxray's worth playing because there's not enough Mirror Match anymore to like warrant it, to be honest. Yeah. Interestingly, I like, like the Luxray. But like the games I played with Lugia, I've used it zero times because I've yet to hit a mirror match. <laughs> and you know, if you hit a mirror match, you also have to be behind to even use it to begin with. But to be honest, I don't know if I uh, after I saw the full results from this tournament, uh, the validity is a little bit uh, skewed because there wasn't a ride on in the top sixteen oh, there. Gosh. So <laughs> Azul resident ride on It's a little bit that slower build once again though with the the Magnezone. Like I was saying, like I like I feel like Sagens is like a a hybrid turbo list. This has four path to the peak, bro. Yeah, it's also like a four path in there as well. So it's like this is like it coming with like a guardy win condition. The win condition is Iono path against against guardy. They've got, got this zero aura in here too. If not going fast as uh Mariah. I don't think you're getting the what is yeah what is is the zero just a one prize or is that just the point? It's a one prizer. It has free retreat and mm. it does 60 damage for one to Gardevoir, right? So it KOs baby Gardevoir as a one prize. Uh, yeah, after they KO. Okay, okay. That's kind of cool. Where did this card come from? It's not a new it's card. It's from Silver Tempest. It just kind of popped up. There was actually a guy who played it on stream in Fresno. I don't remember his name, but we, he was on in day one and he had this card in his, his Maridon deck. He would have won Fresno if he just had Iono. He was just Iono short of having <laughs> the actual, the combination to actually beat Guardi with uh, Maridon. I don't think Zero Aura is probably enough, but I don't know. Maybe Zero Aura plus Path plus Iono. Enough to get top 16 over in Japan. I still don't think it's enough to push Maridon to the point where it's like a real competitive though consistently, but uh, it still keeps popping up. He still keeps making waves. It's just a powerful card, right? And so as long as the, the yeah. card's in the format. Yeah, Maridon's as... insanely powerful. Generator and Maridon are like two of the strongest cards in the format. Yeah. <laughs> like for sure. It's crazy um, that like if you showed that card to like Azul in 2016, he'd have been like, this these cards break the game. And then they're just like, <laughs> meh, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just because everything else is, it's just like the way the prize, the prize trades trade out against the top, top decks. It's just not favorable for Maridon very often. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, we're both a fan, I think, of the single strike variant of Lugia right now. Let's yeah, go to the Arceus decks. Um, it feels like there's really kind of two categories of Arceus decks right now. For a while, it was like Arc Duraludon and then other Arceus decks. But now it feels like it's Arceus Tina is kind of the most like different one. And then the rest of the Arceus decks are like Arc Counter. So it's like Arc Pile, usually Arceus Duraludon with something else. Arceus Aerodactyl has started to become a bit more of a thing as well. Um, I don't know if the keys deck, I don't know if that uh, checks out moving forward. Yeah, maybe not. But Aerodactyl, but... like, well, I guess it, with less Lugia, less Mew, Aerodactyl's value kind of yeah. goes downhill pretty heavy, right? Too much Guardi, too, as well. Like, the Guardi matchup, I don't even think was very good for I mean, you had, like, Path Judge was, like, your, your win con. Um... And so that's the thing Ar Arceus decks have going for them right now is you can play four iono four judge four pay hey. <laughs> yeah well i don't know if you're gonna play that in the pile build but yeah in the in the arctina build that's what you got the pile i think you're going back to that arctur umbreon alakazam halucha thing um i think that is still pretty decent um that'd be my assumption i haven't really played with it so i can't tell you for sure um but i think that deck's probably and there's also less mew now right for these arc decks that was it felt like that was one of the struggle of the arc decks not a whole ton of mew going around and maybe even fit your own spirit tomb in your arc deck if you really want to <laughs> beat up on the muse. You have that option now, right? Is that um, ever arc, better than Drapion, though? 
Um, if you're playing Arctina, I think I'd rather have Spiritomb than Drapion. I guess because you have Path. Do you still have Path in Arctina, or is like yeah, Lost City maybe even better? Nah, nah. You're not beating Guardi with Lost City. You need the Paths. Yeah, sure. They just they'll just trade out against you too favorably still. So definitely need that still. I don't know. I think Arctina is solid. I think Arctina is solid. The Arc Pile deck, I I never have a really good opinion, really strong opinion on it because I haven't played it a whole ton. The deck's really cool, but it's possible on, that might be all it has going for it. In theory, right? Vulpix seems solid against Gardevoir, right? You know everything. It's the same reason that Vulpix was solid into EUIC against Gardevoir. It's um, yeah, it's less good now though because people are playing more Gust Effects, so they can yeah. more you more easily isolate the Vulpix and then just rolls it. Also, if you play Spiritomb, you can shut off your Zacian's ability. And then knock out the ball picks. Yeah. So another reason to play Spirit Tomb, uh, I guess, as well. There's one plus one for Spirit Tomb. Yeah. So I, I don't think, like in theory, Volpix seems good against Gardevoir, but in practice, there's just enough wrong yeah. with the way people are playing their Gardevoir lists right now that Volpix just is not the way. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. If you're looking for an Arctic Arctina or the Arc Dur Umbreon, seems to be the way to go. To be the way to go right now for sure. And then one more deck that kind of snuck in here. I feel like that we did want to well. make sure to take time to talk about is the Urshifu Intellion deck. So this is something that's kind of just been sneaking around this last format. <laughs> uh, but Keep coming going. into Paldea Evolved, it's been doing pretty decently in online tournaments. Like uh, when I was looking at the results of one of the late nights, it was like four Urshifu yeah. Intellion in the top 16 or something like it was that. Like zero in top eight, though, but they were like just right there, right? Yeah. I think I saw the All same really result. Close. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what, like, what's making this deck pop up a little bit more right now? Um, I mean, I thought it's always had a good Guardi matchup and it's always had a good Lost Box matchup, like, but that's it. That's usually it comes up short against literally everything else. The Mew matchup is tough, but you have the new option of Spiritomb, as usually people are playing like Double Drapion, and even then you weren't beating Mew very often. Um, especially against Fusion Mew, the Double Drapion doesn't quite like do enough at all because you're still like you're almost always opening like a two prize Pokemon, and then they just go two 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 with Meloetta into Mew Mew. Um, so Mew matchup's tough. Uh, there's another matchup that was pretty tough as well that is like escaping me right now. Uh, but Guardi, it's always felt like the Guardi matchup. Lugia. The Lugia matchup is terrible because uh, <laughs> you just don't do damage, and they're doing yeah. a lot of damage. Uh, and yeah, you don't have any like cute, cute Metachan plays. They play Serena most of the time as well, so you can't even set anything up to like do some cute plays. So yeah, body by Lugia. Lugia is not that popular right now. You have some new options from Mew. The two most popular decks. I I feel like you're favorable against both. I've seen some mixed opinions on that and some mixed results from that though. So I'm not 100% wanting to commit to saying that it's definitely favored against Guardi or favored against the um, Lost Box. But I think you are. Favorite against both those even just slightly. So that's, I mean, that's why I think it's like, and that's, that's like in a situation where it's like all of a sudden at that point, um, you know, I think it'd be like fine to run something like the Urshifu Intellion. If you actually feel confident in both those matchups, like that's going to be about 40%, maybe plus of the meta is going to be Lost Box and Guardi, right? I would say if you want to play Urshifu Intellion though, play, start playing games now. Play a lot of games with that deck. It's definitely the type of thing where you have so many options options with your damage manipulation every turn when you throw the alakazam in there when you throw the damage placement in there from the double gunner of intellium v max like 
you've got to be well versed in how to play this deck if you're what you want to play and do well at the tournament with it. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I think this deck seems I've I've always thought even last format, I was like a big fan of this deck. I was like, oh, this seems like it's so good because it beats Lost Box. And that was like the <laughs> the deck that it was like hard to find a, a solid, consistent answer to in the last format. Yeah, um, so I've been a big fan of this deck. Uh, I do think like there's a chance we see a deep run from it at this tournament. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because like, yeah, if, if like, and especially like on top of that, like the top two decks, like I said, forty percent plus of the meta, and then even on top of that, you're looking at, um, you know, as the tournament progresses, those are going to be like some of the most successful decks at the tournament as well, right? So you're gonna once you get off to a good, if you, someone gets off to a hot start, they're going to keep hitting them over and over and over again. All right, Azul, let's make some predictions. Tournaments this weekend, less than a week away. Um, we got three predictions written down here that we're going to try to see who gets more correct. First off, what region do you predict Azul to win this tournament? Um, I'm going to go out. I'm going to say that uh, Australia is going to get their first IC win this weekend. There's probably about like 10 players from Australia at NAIC. Um, so if I if I get this one correct, it's like a double win against Chip. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say Australia's gonna get their first IC wow. dub. Imagine um, as an American playing in his home, <laughs> internationals not picking USA, USA. <laughs> I'm going with NA for this one. Could be Canada, but I think it's gonna be the US Canada? more specifically. Also, just to like going by a numbers game right <laughs> highest number of players in the tournament from america as well so so i'm saying this is like a triple or a quadruple dub if i get this right That's what I'm yeah saying, right? i mean how much are you willing to like you know are we going all in on this bet of australia winning azul or is this kind of just a, a little side bet here no i just think you know, it's just a possibility i mean they gotta win an ic at some point right like i feel like they gotta do it eventually if henry could just come over here and win a regional they could they can win an that IC, is fair that is fair. I mean, Henry's on fire right now. So who have knows? a better ratio of players at NAIC than there was at uh, Milwaukee Regional. So definitely, yeah, that's the thing. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm going with NA. Azul's going with Australia. Next prediction we have is an over under for Gardevoir meta share. We decided to put the over under at 22. percent I think if we put it at 22, it's almost definitely going to be over or if we put it at 20 sorry if we put it at 20 it's almost definitely going to be over but 22 is like it's going to be close i don't know what do you think is over under 22 percent of gardevoir meta share for day one specifically yeah i'm gonna go with over um i don't think we'll hit like the 30s but like 25 26 i think we could be around there for gardevoir for sure yeah i'm also gonna go with over on this i think gardevoir not only is it super strong um but it is just, I mean, it's a popular Pokemon, right? People like these type of decks as well. Um, people like single prize decks and, you know, things that just do infinite damage. And Gardevoir is both of those things. So, uh, and Gardevoir also, you know, a lot of people like to just play Gardevoir decks for whatever reason. <laughs> Last prediction, Azul. We did this. This might have to just start being a theme <laughs> with every single yeah. set for... EUIC, we did the prediction of the highest placing Miraidon. So this time we're doing highest placing Chien Pao. Yeah, and like you said, Miraidon did end up getting top eight at EUIC. But here at an AIC, 
Can Champau replicate Maridon's greatness? Top eight Champau <laughs> Azul. I don't think I'm gonna go ahead and guess. Uh, my Champau prediction is gonna be a top 32. That's gonna be my guess here. Could be try to be. That's where I think it like realistically falls. Um, <clears throat> but I was I did like with the little bit of testing that I have put in with it. Um, I was I don't know like not overly impressed, but I was like okay, this is like solid. And then like. With some more testing, I might be a bigger fan of the deck than I actually am right now. But like, just currently, it feels like a top thirty-two cap type deck. I think top thirty-two is a pretty good guess. I'm going to give it a little bit more credit. I'm going to go with the top sixteen. Mm. I think it has what it takes probably to get there. Yeah, the deck is. I mean, it's a good deck. In any other format, you mentioned yeah. this when we talked about it. In a different format, you know, with a different metagame, this deck would be the best deck in the format, right? It's just not what it takes right now. It's got all the pieces. It's got a myriad of different attackers, two prize attackers, single prize attackers. Um, I'm a big fan of the Kyogre in um, in Chiampao. I think Kyogre yeah. is super good. I also like Echoing Horn a lot. That's a card I haven't Ooh. seen from a lot yeah, of the Luminian again, players. bro. Chill. Huh? Yeah, with the Luminian again? <laughs> yeah, just bring him back. <laughs> bring him back. He's coming back. Kyogre the Fisherman. Get him out here. <laughs> All right. I'm actually curious. Where do you think? What do you think the highest place in ride on will be at this tournament? Uh, just one over uh, in Korea. Uh, Maridon's think... taking it down. First place, Maridon in AIC. <laughs> it would be very funny it. if Maridon made top eight. Dude, that would be so <laughs> sick. I would probably say I'd, I'd give it a top 32, most likely. No, top 64. There's no. <laughs> Actually, I don't even know. Is anyone going to play it? Top 128. Maridon's not cracking past the top 128. People will definitely still play it. It's just the type of deck people like, right? Like energy. It is, it is fun. It's like, like an enjoyable way turbo. to play the game. Yeah. I'm not trying to win. But no. I'm not trying to win. <laughs> All right, I think that's it, though, Chip. Why don't you go ahead and uh, send us out and then get us into that bonus episode for everyone over on the uh, Patreon. Yeah, thanks a bunch to everyone for listening. As always, if you enjoy, please be sure to drop us a rating, a review on your favorite podcasting platform. Be sure to subscribe here on the YouTube channel if you're watching on YouTube. Drop us a comment. Let us know what you think. And uh, if you want more from us, you can check out the Patreon. As soon as this episode's over, we're going to record the bonus episode, which is going to be at least 30 minutes long and uh, we'll be live at the same time that this episode goes up. So be sure to check that out. If you are interested in hearing more from us and if you want to stay connected with us as well, the best place to do it is over on Twitter. You can follow myself at chip, Richie Azul at Azul underscore GG. And then the podcast is at uncommon underscore energy. Best luck to everyone going to NAIC. Appreciate the support as always. I hope everyone gets their points they need for their world's invite. And then we'll catch y'all next Tuesday, um, 7 a.m. Eastern. Peace.